Welcome to the DermVet Podcast. I'm Dr. Ashley Bourgeois, a board-certified veterinary dermatologist practicing in Portland, Oregon with animal dermatology clinics. I'm also a mom of two, just trying to find the balance like everyone else. Let's learn to ditch the itch, cytology, everything, and make derm more fun than frustrating. We learn all about medicine and all these different specialties when we go through veterinary school. But then you get thrown into the real world and realize that there's a lot of business things that are extremely important in order for us to practice well, in order for us to communicate with our clients, for them to understand the advancements that we have in veterinary medicine. So I'm really excited today to have on the podcast Laura Dennis from Zoran Technologies. She is their VP of Sales and Marketing, and she really kind of explains to us the importance of marketing, whether it's through email newsletters or your website or social media. Uh, It's really important to know the content we're putting out there and how to set those expectations for clients, um, how to make them feel comfortable with us as the practice that they choose to go to. It's a really interesting conversation that you can really implement in several different ways through your veterinary practice. I really hope you guys enjoy this podcast episode and it is sponsored by Zoran Technologies. Well, thank you for joining me for another episode of the Derm Vet Podcast. I am really excited. I think this is going to be a new little twist on kind of some of the content that we've talked about before. You know, we talk about the importance in dermatology of utilizing diagnostics, whether it's cytology, imaging, but the reality is we can talk about, yes, we know the importance of that as veterinarians and as medical people with that um, knowledge base. But at the end of the day, we only get to do the things that owners really understand why we're doing it. And they're coming to us because they know we do certain things like, you know, advanced diagnostics. And I really think with especially a lot of the owners that are younger, you know, the millennial owners, the Gen Z owners who are really make, starting to make up a lot of our client base, like they they want to look, they want to know about your facility and what you offer before they even walk in your doors. So I think this will be a really good conversation to kind of talk about the importance of how do we really market ourselves so we can provide the best medicine because people expect that from us. Um, So I am really excited today to have Laura Dennis on from Zoran Technologies, who's going to kind of chat about her expertise in this field because you are the VP of sales and marketing for this company. So thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so uh, happy and excited to be here and uh, to be to be a part of this. I really love uh, talking to veterinarians and the specialists because they are so passionate about what they do. And then they want to really learn, understand how they can get the word out about how they can help our animals. Well, and it's something that we are not really that educated in. Like at least, you know, when I go to vet school, we we had some like business classes but we are not educated in appropriate marketing. I think we're starting to see a little bit more at our conferences as far as CE. There's wonderful people in our field who are really starting to speak about the importance of marketing yourself and being up to date with that. But we are not experts in it. <laughs> it's not what we are trained to do. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited to kind of pick your brain about this because it is important. It's important for us to really um, provide that portion of our services to clients that they really are excited to come see us. And that's going to really open that door to allow us to do more things within the clinic. 
Um, so starting kind of broad and pick, starting to pick your brain about this a little bit, what are the top three areas that you feel clinics really should focus their marketing efforts on? Because there's lots of different ways we can market. You know, we kind of traditionally think of things like, um, you know, maybe a website, which is important, or maybe the old school stuff was to put ads out there, but there are a lot of ways that we can market. So what are the top three things that you think are really important now? Thanks. Yes. Website, definitely. Uh, E-newsletter. And we can talk more about each of these three things. And then I would say social media. There's so many avenues and areas, even like ads. I didn't even think about that. Uh, Radio ads. It sounds so, um, I don't want to say old school, but there's so many things that you can do that don't have huge spend. They do take some time and effort and and thought and consideration. Uh, I think uh, maybe a generation ago, marketing was either a, a, a confusing word or almost had a negative perception of like, I don't want to be selling my, like people should come to me because I'm a good doctor. And because I care about my patients, I don't want to have to sell them on something. But what I think marketing can do is, especially for a referral, referral clinic, where you're having the general veterinarians say, you need to go have your pet see a dermatologist. This is as far as I can go. Uh, one of the first things that I would do is go on and look at the website and see what, what is this dermatology thing about? What, what's going to happen with my pet when I go there? And your marketing efforts can do a lot of that behind the scenes legwork about educating um, clients before they even walk into your clinic. So they, so that you can have that, that conversation and you've established some degree of trust as well with your, with your audience. I think that's a really important thing that you just brought up is, you know, all every industry, it seems like is super busy right now. Like I know in veterinary medicine, um, you know, we are the busiest we have ever been. Um, I have never worked in a time where I, am so backlogged as far as the waiting list to come see me, it's, it can be really intimidating. You're trying to provide the best you can, but, you know, really also be able to see as many as you can because of the fact that there are so many people that want to see a veterinarian right now that, um, time is limited. Like we still can set boundaries as far as how we see those clients. Um, but I think if you have a place where people already kind of know what to expect. So for me, if they kind of already understand what allergy testing is, if they kind of understand we're dealing with otitis, um, and we can, we'll talk a little bit as far as like what you guys provide and that's cone beam CT. Like if they know a facility offers that, what is it? Why would we want to do that? If the expectations kind of set before the owner even comes in the door, um, not only is it going to make our lives easier, but I think it's less confusing for the client because they already come with some foundational knowledge that then we can build upon versus kind of starting from scratch when we were first seeing them. And, you know, there's so many attractive ways you can do that too. Like you said, through a website, like so many cool images you can have, um, cases you can have. So I know we have recently, our company's recently redone our website and it's also made me feel a little bit more proud, right? Just like send people to it or have them find me because we know everyone's Googling right now to kind of find where to go. So it makes me a little bit more proud for them to find that space that is so educational um, and that is so attractive looking that then when they come in, they kind of know our feeling and our expectation of how we're going to manage these cases. Um, So let's focus on that. I mean, kind of already just dove into websites and actually I have learned a ton about website and marketing 
um, through our company, redoing our website, but then also like through the Durham that I have a website and we're always kind of figuring out what we want to do as far as educating veterinarians um, and technicians on there. So, you know, most people have a website nowadays. It's a little surprising if we don't. Um, but what are the things that you think if you looked at a practice website, maybe as an owner or someone who does um, some educating in the field about marketing, what are some of the key things you think can be missing in some of these websites? It's a great question. And I just want to go back to something that you said um, a few a few minutes ago, which is about the foundational knowledge. Uh, we know that he, we do this on the human side. You know, I have a bump on my arm or my, my, my animal has a, you know, a lump on their leg and they start Googling and they can go down this rabbit hole. If you have some of this foundational knowledge for your clients, they can um, feel some peace of mind and they have not gone down some something that has some, some type of crazy ideas that now you have to kind of undo. So when you're talking about the otitis or even just saying things like a dermatologist deals with skin, the ear is lined with skin, right? This is why you're going to go see uh, a dermatologist for your pet's ear issues. Even yeah. that is sometimes a little bit uh, mind-blowing for, um, for our pet owners. Um, and so for the, that foundational knowledge for clients is very important. And then there's also something, so one of the key things that I think would be missing from primarily from websites is a place for, um, your, your, your general veterinarian who's considered considering sending, um, something, sending clients to your facility can, can, uh, get some more, uh, information about the types of services that you're going to be able to provide and also the types of information that they're, that you're going to be able to provide back to them so they can continue that care. And, um, and I'm not talking about now having some very detailed clinical case studies that a pet owner might stumble on and then start seeing things that they didn't, they didn't want, they didn't want to see. Um, but uh, I'm thinking of, uh, for example, with our cone beam CT, we have online image viewing capability. Uh, that means that you can give a login to your referring veterinarian. You can also give a login to the pet owner so they can go home and they can, they can see the animal's CT images from any computer with the internet. And while a referring veterinarian may or may not actually truly understand or know what you're looking for as a specialist, having that image and being able to have that peace of mind so they can, so they can close the loop from the patient care standpoint, because they're, the, the, the general veterinarian is going to come back and is going to want to continue that care. Um, the degree to which your clinic um, is really thinking about um, the general veterinarian as one of your um, audiences or one of your, um, your, one of your customers, right? Because you're, they're the ones who are sending you, you clients. Um, that can be a really great area to add content to a website. So, and then the other, the other key area I would say from a website standpoint is people get, people spend a lot of time and probably some, a good bit of money developing a website and they're super excited and they're getting the look and feel and everything. And then they have this exhaustion and they think I'm done. And you have to leave a little bit of, a little bit of extra energy to continue to add content to your website, just like doing a Facebook page and you never go on Facebook for five years. Well, you're not going to have a lot of connections. The same thing with the website, you've got to continually add um, relevant and timely content. Um, so whether you've added a new facility or you, you are highlighting a new technician or you have this great win from this, um, this pet that you, that you helped, 
Um, all of those different things, it's very easy to continue to add content. So when you're setting up your website or improving your website, it needs to be done in such a way that the layperson can add content. You don't have to go back to your web developer every single time just to put a new picture on your site. I think that's something really important you brought up, and that is keeping things fresh. Um, I mean, I know that in social media, that's so important, which we're going to talk about, but definitely with websites, like if you have the same pictures up that have been up for 10 years, but have never actually added to them, like repeat clients kind of understand that you can always kind of tell by the pictures too, right? Like if they look like they were taken 20 years ago versus maybe taking them now when we have better quality of things. Um, so I think that's really important when you mentioned like in updating things, like little things, it sounds silly, but your business hours changing. Um, yeah, like you're right. The world we live in right now, your COVID protocol is changing. Like those things sometimes actually get forgotten. Like I've been to places, not necessarily in the vet field, but I've been to places where all of a sudden it's totally changed or like close on a day and it wasn't updated on their website. So it sounds really silly, but that is really the primary area that a lot of people are going to. And then you kind of mentioned the new technology. I think that's really important. So if you do get something really cool, like a comb beam CT, which is pretty amazing and awesome to have, um, I, I always think it's important, like you said, to know your audience. And same thing goes when we're doing stuff on social media, like you have to know your audience. If I'm going to put out like a case or an educational piece of content, maybe that is meant to educate the general veterinarian my language, the imagery I would use is going to be much different than if I put something out for pet owners. And there's really truly value in both of those things. Like you said, really as a specialist, the referral population, my general practitioners are really like some of my primary clientele because we build a relationship. I have to be on the same team with them. I have to have them trust me. I have to have them communicate things to me if things aren't going well. And maybe that pet is back with them um, for you know some other annual exam, and then they can kind of update me what's going on. So that relationship is extremely important, but you're right. Like for certain images we put up for clients, it's different. Like I, you know, they can still be pretty like cool images. I think before and afters are always amazing for a client to see. Um, but again, how graphic it is, what language we use could be a bit different. The other thing that you mentioned, which I actually think not as many clinics do that I know of and something that I've been doing just with the derm vet stuff in the last year is that e-newsletter. Um, and I think we do actually sometimes forget the power behind that because it is, you know, we don't, there's a fine line, right? You don't want to overdo it with the newsletter, but it is also kind of a reminder, like we're, we're all on our email all the time. So where do you think veterinarians can really use the um, e-newsletter to their advantage? Like, what if we feel like, gosh, if we had to put out an e-newsletter, say even like monthly, uh, how do we keep coming up with content for that? What kind of words of wisdom do you have for that? So that is a great question. And then I would go back to um, your two audiences and you can um, choose what you have the bandwidth for, right? It doesn't have to be everything all the time right now. And it doesn't have to be complicated. You can eventually go, once you've built a list, you can eventually go and use MailChimp or use a simple program to um, track and uh, make your e-newsletters e look a little more marketing formatted. But with that said, you can blind copy or set up a, a, a listserv list, right, where you can have your curated list of people and you can you, you don't have to have even make it complex. You have a new you have your list of your referring veterinarians. Um, 
you can send them an e-newsletter. It can be 10 people. What's very powerful about e-newsletters compared to social media is you still retain um, ownership of your content and ownership of your, of your list. So like, I love Facebook. Uh, I'm loving it less and less over time, but those Facebook groups are so powerful and so functional, but all of that content is on Facebook, right? You'd have to copy and paste and screenshot things uh, if you wanted to have that content in your, in your files, right? So when you have an e-newsletter, the content that you're sending is, is, is still yours. You haven't given it up to a social media platform. So that's one thing. And also that can be a really powerful place to say, you can talk more clinically. If you have just a curated list for your referring, um, for your referring veterinarian. So there's here, there's this new allergy medication that I'm really passionate about. If you, and then that's where you might actually drive more business. Cause then the, the veterinarian, it, 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 it triggers something in their mind. Oh yeah. I just saw these two animals with this weird rash or what have you let's that might actually increase referrals because they didn't know that you have this, that you have this new, um, whatever medicine or solution or what have you, that you, that you want to share with them. And the same thing goes with the CT. Uh, there's not a lot of, of, of knowledge, um, about uh, CT and what that 3d imaging can do, um, for a, a specialist. And if you are having, if your, your pet is having recurring um, ear infections uh, and it's getting to the point where it's, you know, it's uncomfortable for the animal, it's uncomfortable for the family, there's smells, there's discharge. Um, you may be at a point where having a CT and being able to make decisions about how you're going to treat beyond just, um, you know, topical medications is very important, right? Um, and I'm talking like surgical, you know, when you have to get to the point where you have to have surgical solutions. So, um, reminding your, um, your, your client base, not your client base, your, um, referring clinician base of the things that you can do to solve recurring problems can also be important. Yeah. And I think the cool thing, I think too, about, um, thinking of controlling that, like you said, you can kind of control content also for, you know, you don't have to worry about keeping up with lots of comments on things like social media, right? Like you kind of put it out there and it's there for the education. Um, you know, we were using MailChimp. Now we've switched as my list uh, has grown for the DermVet. We switched to ConvertKit. Um, and so we can also track things, which is kind of cool. Like you said, what emails, like what subject lines are actually being opened? Like you can track what's being opened, what's being utilized, what's being clicked on within that email. So that also gives you some metrics that you can use um, to really know what is successful and what's not. Like we can do that with things like social media, which I know we're going to talk about because you can obviously look at things like likes and comments. But I do think there can be something deeper as far as how many of your emails are actually being opened, how many of the things that you want people to click on are being clicked, like going to your website, going to something like an online pharmacy. The cool thing about utilizing an image from something like C2, when I think about, so I would primarily, if I had Combeam CT, obviously be using it to look at the bulla in the middle ear um, with a lot of the otitis cases I do. Well, I can imagine using cool things too, like if I CT'd a case and then I did a video otoscopy on it, you know, you could show, oh, there was a mass originating from here, or there was an otitis media. And then look, here's this bulging eardrum and I get to go and do a myringotomy in it. Like you can also kind of show the journey of going through something, which I think is pretty cool. And you can do that in other platforms as well, but I think you could use cool taglines. You can get people really interested. And like you said, 
then that is your audience. Like you have an email list that you can kind of come back to. You can track things. Um, I actually have been more excited about trying to utilize something like the e-newsletter because for me, websites and e-newsletters kind of centralize things a bit. Like we do lots of fun things on social media, but then using those other platforms allow you to kind of centralize things. And for me, I almost see the newsletter as a driver. Like, okay, I'm going to be in your email inbox to say, I do have this cool piece of technology like a cone beam CT, or like you said, we have a new medication coming out or there's this new therapy, you know, click on this link, which will bring you to a social media post, click on this link, which will bring you to our website, which has more information. So it's almost kind of like that reminder when you want it to be that can kind of drive people to these other platforms as well, besides being its own entity. So I think that can be extremely helpful. Exactly. I I always like to have some the, whether you're super passionate about one or the other, or, or it, it reminds you to put the content in and then to cross cross pollinate all the different content. And if you're only doing it on social media, sometimes it feels very, if, if you've, if you've ever posted something on social media and you try to find it again, six in the feed, uh, or you've seen a post, you try to find it against, you know, six hours later, you, you're not, you know, unless it was your post, you're not going to be able to find it, but you can, if you're looking in your email inbox, or you can find that content if it's, if it's still on your website. So, um, I think, I think that can be very powerful. And I don't think there's probably a super straightforward answer to this. Um, I'm sure it depends like anything else, but do you think there's a sweet spot as far as frequency of emails going out to a newsletter for say something like a veterinary clinic? That's a really good question. And I, uh, I was going to, I was going to talk a bit about when you're trying to think about, oh my gosh, all of my clients, now I'm going to send an e-newsletter to them. And what if I have a typo and, and I, you know, go hyperventilate into a paper bag. The first time <laughs> I sent an e-newsletter, I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> but, uh, what's good. You know, what did I mess up? So, um, I think, uh, setting up the frequency is up to, the, the, whoever's going to be driving the content. So if you're going to start from scratch and you have never, you know, never had any newsletter for your clients and it starts with 10 people, it's okay. If it starts with 10 email addresses, it's okay. If you have, everybody has to start somewhere, but then also before you start, come up with your list of content, right? Come up with at least 10 topics for 10 different e-newsletters, uh, because you can't come up with ten, then you're going to run out of you're going to run out of topics, no matter how whatever the frequency is. Um, and so once per month, but then you know as it grows and you have more um, more news or you become more more, uh, you can always you can always do it more frequently. But you, ha- it's best not to let it languish, and then someone gets an e newsletter every every six months from you. Um, it's going to, it's going to wind up going into the person's spam because these, the way these um, algorithms are changing with people's um, spam filters, an email that passed through uh, six months ago is, is probably going to get, it's probably not even going to get seen. Um, even if the person has opted in, uh, I, I find this happening, uh, you know, with my e- emails that I received and then the, the e-newsletters that, that we're sending. Yeah. I, yeah, I think that's really important. I, I honestly think starting out less frequent because what can happen and I have gone through this journey before, you get really excited. Like you get really excited and you want to put out something weekly, but then it falters. Like life does get busy. Something happens, you know, for me, like a kid gets sick. And then all of a sudden, if you're not ahead, 
it becomes more stressful. And then you're just there the night before being like, oh gosh, what should I put in the newsletter? So the thing that I really like that you mentioned, and I have kind of learned this, I guess two kind of things, plan ahead. Like you don't want to just be living, you know, if you're doing a monthly newsletter, you don't want to be living month to month the night before saying, oh gosh, I have to do this. What do I do? What do I do? Like being a couple months ahead of time or just banking ideas where maybe you don't exactly know where something's going to go out. Like when's this post going to go out about allergy medication or, you know, this success story for this case, but having a bank you can pull from, because sometimes exciting things happen. You didn't expect, like for me, events happen like, oh, oh, I forgot. I'm speaking at this thing. I really want to let people know in case you're interested. And then that took the place of something. But if I have a bank I can pull from where maybe I'm like, "Ah, I don't really know what I want to put out, but, oh, I made this really cool thing two months ago. Let's just slide that in there. For me, it saves a lot of frustration. The other thing, and I think this, we'll talk even more about this when we get to social media, it's okay to repurpose. Because the other thing I have gotten stuck in my head sometimes is, oh, if I talked about X. So say I put out an email newsletter where I'm educating about comb beam CT because I'm like, oh, look at this cool otitis media case I had. Um, All for some reason in my own head start to think, well, I can never like release that again. But the reality is I probably can a few months later, no one's going to probably remember that. Or they're going to be like, oh yeah, I saw that before. That was super cool. So I've also learned that it's okay to repurpose things and you can take content and repurpose it in a way that still really educates people because we don't, we spend so much time on content for like a newsletter, but the reality is people who open it, you know, it may be a couple minutes of their day and they didn't spend, you know, the amount of time making it. So even if they are ones who opened it and saw it, you send a few months later, they probably forgot or they didn't, their kid was running around. They couldn't pay attention when they actually opened it. So it's okay to also repurpose really good content you have so that you can save your time and make sure it reaches your audience. I think that's a great point. I really like that. Uh, And then I think the other area where I think perhaps we could be more diligent is making sure that our staff take pictures of us. Yeah. I mean, I mean the clinicians when you're doing something cool. Now look, if you, if it, it can be taken from an angle that does not reveal anything, you know, bloody or what have you, but, and also have your staff ready to take, to, to take videos and to take and take pictures of you. Um, and then that's going to provide that content and that visual. Um, and you're not going to be like, Oh, you know, that would have been so cool to have had that picture of that. Just ask them to, to be there and, t- and take and take those pictures and document that. And it, it makes it, it, it fills out the e-newsletter and it fills out the website. And then it's also great for social media. You've got to have those visuals. Just typing in a post on, on social media, and we're going to start talking about that, is going gonna, it's, it's, it's gonna to fall flat. Yeah, it's so true. And so for me, sometimes, like, I always forget that people really want to see us doing things. They want to see our technicians doing things, our assistants doing things, us doing things. You know, as a very visual for field in dermatology, I always get excited to take a picture of the lesion because I always think about, oh, gosh, I'm going to put this in this lecture. I'm going to be able to educate based on this. But then sometimes when we actually show us doing the thing, like there was a person behind doing that CT. There was a person behind, you know, doing that videotoscopy. There's a person collecting that cytology, like super simple. Then it's also like a cool thing to say, oh yeah, like 
if I'm educating veterinarians, oh yeah, I, I would be the one doing that. Oh yeah. I would be the one, my technician could do something like that. So I think you're totally right. Um, and I, sometimes I like to joke that some of my technicians are like my, uh, like my, you always hear the term like Instagram husbands. I'm like, they're like my Instagram, like husbands or girlfriends. Cause I'm always like, can you take a picture of me doing this? But it really does make for good, attractive quant- uh, quality of images just to have that mixture of things. So they can, so the other thing I always say is you don't have to know what you're going to do with it either. Like right. you can just have, like you said, your staff take pictures of people doing cool things. Some may be awesome pictures. Some may not be, but then if you have a really good idea about a post and you can remember, Oh, I had that great picture of my technician, you know, um, say running the CT machine or doing anesthesia in a way that's really attractive and, you know, not too graphic or revealing, like you said, then it's really nice to be able to highlight the people in your clinic who are actually doing those things too. I think that there's, there's some, there can be some hesitancy, especially if you have uh, this a new technology such as a vet cat or this Vitron, which is can image the entire body. That's really great. If you're working as a dermatologist in a, in a larger clinic and sometimes perhaps on the human side, we kind of know what CT is and we think that it's scary uh, lengthy, you have to go to this different place, but if you have some pictures that show the animal was already having this exam, you know, already sedated or, or what have you. And then now the clinician can go very quickly, do this CT image and get this, these pictures, these 3d pictures very quickly, um, with minimal, um, additional time under anesthesia for your pet. I mean, these pet owners are always dealing with some of these after effects of of how, what, once the animal was sedated or, or was under anesthesia for the red, they want to know that it's all done quickly and, and uh, efficiently so that nobody wants their animal to feel or feel like their animal is suffering any, any more than, than they have to, even if I know it doesn't hurt, but did it, in the pet owner's mind, it gives them some peace of mind that uh, their pet is being cared for. And I think there's going to be some very powerful images of just what your technicians are doing behind the scenes to help, help your animal, help, help your animals. And especially with some of these COVID protocols where pet owners are not allowed to come in, they really don't know what's happening. And then there, they have this additional fear of like, oh my gosh, maybe I just shouldn't even take my animal there. I'm too, I'm too concerned. But you put some pictures on a website of like, this is what happens when you come in, you check in the, the technician comes and takes your animal and you kind of put some of those steps, steps in place visually. I think that can provide a lot of peace of mind for getting procedures approved without, um, clinicians feeling like they have to, um, really over explain or try to try to try to sell something they believe is clinically necessary. Sure. It it, it is clinically necessary, but they have that backup and they have then, then that, that whole approval process goes a lot more seamlessly. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Sending the expectation can be really helpful for pet owners for sure. Um, I know a lot of the things we have talked about could be, we basically could extrapolate and also place in a social media. So we can kind of, uh, I guess the big thing about social media, cause everything we talked about, um, you know, images of things going on in the clinic, knowing your audience, um, keeping things fresh, obviously is going to go into social media. Just kind of tell me about a little bit about like the platforms you think that are most beneficial for say, maybe a hospital. Well, I do think. Uh, are a lot of our pet owners are hanging out. Uh, it depends on, on this, on the age of your demographic. Sure. I, that's, that's why I'm, that's why I'm hesitant here because, sure. uh, uh, but keep in mind, if you're, you have a demographic that skews more Instagram, 
you can cross post um, um, the same content from Facebook and Instagram and vice versa. So that can be a time saver. Uh, a lot of our professionals are now hanging out on LinkedIn. So if one of your goals in the new year is to increase your, um, your reach with um, referring clinics and to kind of, and if maybe if you're expanding locations and you're going to need to have, you know, more referring veterinarians than you had before, LinkedIn is a great place um, for that kind of professional environment. Um, and then I, I would go to your staff. I mean, I know we have the staff, staff, I'll try to say this five times fast, staff shortage yeah. um, across, across the United States in veterinary. Um, but I think some of our younger um, technicians really think that it's fun to do TikToks, to, to do videos, to do live Facebook streams. And I think getting, having them engaged and feeling like they can do things that they find fun and interesting while also at work then you, you kind of, you, you, you increase the morale of your, of your, of your entire clinic. And then you also get um, some social media that you might not otherwise um, you feel comfortable doing. It's, you know, TikTok isn't all about fun dances. There's, there's a lot on there of um, videos, just, and it's very easy to edit those videos and to get that content um, you know, up and out to, out to followers. So I think thinking about which demographic you want to, to reach is, is a good, is a good place to start from. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I agree. It really does depend. There's so many options out there and there's ways that you can be successful with all of them. Um, we've, we've kind of already talked a little bit about audience focused marketing, like kind of knowing your audience and where you'd focus that, um, whether it's a client or as a specialist, maybe general practitioners, or, I mean, there's even industry, like there's lots of different ways that you can really, um, use that. And it is important to know who your audience is. Let's just briefly kind of talk about, um, if I'm adding, let's just use CT because that makes sense. That's where you have a lot of knowledge base. So say on my clinic, I am adding comb beam CT. So I'm really excited. I have a new diagnostic. So just kind of a little bit, walk me through how would I maybe advertise that whether it's through my e-newsletter or, um, social media, say, I'm going to kind of walk me through for the client and then walk me through to maybe my general veterinarians that I want them to know they have this, like, how could those look a little bit similar, but yet different? It's a, it's a great question. One of the things that we do here at Zoran is we have something we call the practice enhancement kit. And this is a, a document that has uh, tips and tricks and information for all the things we've been talking about today. And it also has sample images that you can use and sample messaging to get you started. There's no reason to have to start from scratch. So uh, one, of the, one of the key things that I really like to do on both the, whichever platform you're using for your clinicians or for your, for your clients, and it could be the same, what is CT? Why might I need it for my specialty? And why might I need it as opposed to other imaging modalities? And of course, other imaging modalities may be completely sufficient, but if you've chosen to make the decision to get a VetCat or a Vitron for the full body, it, you can put a picture of it. And we have this content that explains um, what this system is meant to do, how easy it is to use, how quick the scans are. Uh, and so that's something that we, we like to provide as a service to our customers, um, as it gives them that peace of mind that they have some material to start with. Uh, going back over to the referring um, veterinarians, an e-newsletter or a good old fashioned mail like letter in the, the post mail that says, 
we now have this, this imaging capability in our facility. Feel free to send your, your, your clients over here. Um, those, are, those are great, um, very simple announcements that you can have. Um, and then of course, announcing these things on, on social media. Um, I've seen uh, people do a, you know, a following, the, the scanners are on wheels. So you can, you can wheel it from wherever it's in storage and show how easy it is to wheel it up to the, to the patient table, get that scan and wheel it away. And then um, I've even seen um, uh, veterinarians do a, a, a live review um, of what the images are, what they're looking at. So there's, so there's a lot of fun things that you can do. And there's a lot of um, very necessary things that you should be doing because um, having that education on the website is going to make it easier for you to justify what those costs are associated for the, the um, for the for the clients for having that scan information and, and you're gonna be able to explain what it is that you, that you as a clinician are going you are going to be able to do with the information that you're getting from that 3D CT. Yeah, that's really awesome. And kind of like going to the general practitioner as far as marketing standpoint, I think you can still use a lot of those things like look, you know, how easy it is for us to use something like this, the cool images we get from it. But then you can maybe even go a little more in depth about things like the disease process, like if I have a you know, a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel with PSOM, primary secretary otitis media, like I may not go in depth explaining that disease and why the images matter to a client, but then I can use the ability to go more in depth if I was talking to a general practitioner and how it's been helpful for a case like that. Agreed. Agreed. And then you can also, um, once you're implemented with the CT, send the referring clinician even screenshots from the yeah. software if you don't want to give them access to the whole scan. And that's something that's great for them to have in their um, health record file as well. Um, and I think that all of those um, efforts are meant, just as you mentioned before, to develop this partnership between um, uh, the dermatologist and uh, the general veterinarian. Um, and that's really what it's all about ultimately, because that's, that's yeah. providing that continuous care um, you know, with the, for the, for the pet. Yeah. I, yeah, I totally agree. The last kind of question I have. So we have focused a bit on like ear disease, but we know there's lots of other things that we've kind of mentioned too, just from a general marketing standpoint. Um, but this is a veterinary dermatology podcast. So if we get specific about skin, cause you know, that's going to be my sweet spot and what I really enjoy what marketing techniques you think could be used maybe from a more specific skin standpoint, dermatology standpoint, because really even talking to general practitioners who might be listening to this podcast and they really do treat everything. Dermatology is still a huge portion of what they do. It's a, we know based on a lot of the research done through different insurance companies that it's often like, I mean, skin and ears are often number one, number two, as far as non-wellness reason that pets go to see their general practitioner. So what are some specific dermatology things that maybe um, general practitioners or dermatologists like myself can really use as marketing? Oh, that's a really good question. I think it comes from, because uh, we, we don't want to, we don't want to, uh, we, we want to understand at what point should the pet be referred over to the dermatologist? So I think promoting things like are you seeing recurrent ear infections that are not being uh, um, solved through antibiotics? Are you seeing um, some of these recurrent or is the, is the spot that you're monitoring or the, the lesion that you're monitoring getting larger by uh, take pictures or remind them to have some um, 
milestones in mind that should that should that should um, put on a put on a, a a green light when they should pick up pick up the phone or send the referral send the patient over to you. Um, and it's some some things I think it might depend on the clinician, but I think probably each dermatologist has their like I want to see this patient when it gets to this point. Right. You, maybe you probably don't even want to see some of the basic things, but you definitely want to see when it gets to some certain clinical point for some certain diagnosis. Yeah, def- definitely. I, I get asked that a lot, actually, like, when should I refer this case or when do you want to see these cases? And I think we all do have a bit of a different threshold of when we, pot- we potentially want to see them. So I think that's a great educational standpoint is, you know, as a dermatologist, how do I kind of communicate or educate my general practitioner, especially my local um, practitioners who are going to be referring to our clinic, like when, you know, when do they, we want to see them? When do we have the most success um, can be really important. And that can also be a message for, uh, for pet owners as well. Yes. When is the time to come see a dermatologist? You can speak directly to them, right? And they, they can have that peace of mind of like, oh, okay, now, now it's time to make the appointment or wrap my head around. I've got to, I've never been to a specialist before with my animal. I've got to, I've got to, I've got to go and do it. And um, I think that, that having the, some of those uh, basic uh, layman's explained in layman's term type of type of criteria can, can be very helpful for, for your clients. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is, a lot of times we either do get self-referrals or, you know, maybe they mentioned to the practitioner and the practitioner wasn't sure they would be up for going to refer a referral. So I think there can be education done, you know, honestly through all different avenues. And that's why doing things like appropriate marketing can be so helpful. Yeah. Um, and with that, I just want to say thank you so much for your expertise. Again, this is something that we are not that really well-versed in or educated unless we take the time to kind of listen to things like this from people like you who truly understand this part of the market. Um, we learn all the medical stuff, but don't really get a huge crash course in marketing when we're in vet school. And then you get thrown into the real world and you realize communication and marketing. And that's all super important as far as what type of clientele you're going to drive in. Um, and also maybe making your life a little less stressful in the clinic if you do set that expectation for the client. Um, so I just want to thank you so much for uh, sharing with us on the podcast today. Thank you so much. It was really great to be here. Well, I thought there were so many great little tidbits in there. Again, all of this stuff matters. You know, we can be really good at knowing the medications and the diagnostics that we want for our patients. But if we can't set those expectations for our clients, if we can't educate them, if we can't make sure they know what they're coming in for, because they've looked at our website, they've seen our content out there, they really have developed that relationship with us, then we're not going to be able to provide the advanced care that we want for these pets. So I just have to thank Laura for being on the podcast. It was just really great to have her experience. It's amazing to look in the things that Zorin Technology is doing. Um, I know that I am anxious to try to get a, a comb beam CT in my own clinic to evaluate things like otitis media. And I really suggest checking it out. There's so many amazing technologies that are really coming out in a way that's accessible to general practices that we can have these advanced things in more clinics. It's all about the pet and we want to be able to provide those care, that care and that diagnostic um, workup for them. So I really hope you enjoyed today's episode of the podcast talking about marketing and how important it is for our clinics.